um, has laid on my heart this morning as we make our way through uh, this uh, series in Mark. I've called this um, Desperate Daughters this morning. Eric says to me, I've got two desperate daughters. I says, I couldn't see him. <laughs> desperate daughters. Mark chapter 5. We've been asking uh, what's, what's Jesus like uh, in these, uh, these sermons. We've been, we've been making our way through the series. It's called What's He Like? It's, it's, it's through Mark's account of Jesus' life. It's, it's, it's like his biography of Jesus. And today we ask, what kind of people do Jesus, does Jesus mix with? What kind of people does he reach out to? Is it male or female? Is it leading lights? Is it lonely souls? Is it rich or poor? What sort of people does he, does he, you know, does he involve himself with? Where does Jesus sit on this issue? I mean, it, it seems that, that more people uh, follow him uh, from poor areas in our country. In, in, indeed, in our world. You've noticed that, haven't you? Is that because, he, is that because he's focused on them? Um, is that the reason? Um, people from, from better off homes, um, got, they, they clearly, um, it's, it's clearly more difficult to see those doors opened uh, when, if, you're, if you're going around to, to, to knock on doors. They close quicker. People of means are harder to reach, it seems. Is it simply a matter of preference? Uh, does, does Jesus simply prefer the poor? Is that what that means? Jesus goes from being asked to leave uh, the Gentile side of the Lake of Galilee. Remember this last week? He, he's, he's been asked to leave, and he leaves. And he, and he goes back across to the Jewish side of the lake, and, and he's, he's back at Capernaum, as far as we can tell. And no sooner is he back off the fishing boat than a great crowd again gathers. And standing in the crowd is, 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 is a man who wants a word with him. A man who comes up to him straight off the boat and this time he's not a Gentile social outcast come madman like he was last week. No, he's a Jewish respectable leader of the synagogue. <clears throat> but Mark doesn't really want us to compare him with the madman of Gerasa from last week. He uses this, um, this sort of structure in his, um, in his book uh, where, where he starts a story... And then he goes completely off to something else. And then he comes back to the first story. You could call it uh, a Mark sandwich. It's like that. He's used it before uh, in chapter 3. When he starts to talk about Jesus' family. Uh, and then he goes off to tell us about how the authorities are saying that Jesus is in league with the devil. And, and, and then he returns to Jesus' family again. At the end. You remember the reaction from the Pharisees. In the local area. They thought of him as a, as a rule breaker. They, they, he, he, he broke the Sabbath. He, he met with sinners. Uh, he, he, the top brass come down from Jerusalem and they, and they say this new policy that, 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 that he's actually demonic, this Jesus. Stay away from him. Be careful around him. And I've just done the same thing myself, haven't I? I've just got way led. That's what Mark does. But back to the main point. Mark really wants us not to compare this man with the man across the lake... He wants us to compare him with the woman in the middle of the story. The woman with the discharge of blood. That's what he's doing in the middle of the story. Of this one man and his daughter. 
This man meets Jesus and we're told that he's the leader of the synagogue. Uh, He's not actually a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a scribe, but but a layman, a layperson who's in charge of organizing things in the temple and in the the synagogue, the the local worship center. There was one in every village of a certain size. He sorts out who's going to preach. He he sorts out what they're going to preach on. He, he, He tells them what they're going to sing. That's his, that's his rule. He's a, he's a very important man and at the heart of the community. And this is almost certainly the same synagogue uh, where Jesus taught in chapter 1. And you remember when, when, when he opens up the, 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 the word and, and they're amazed at what he teaches. And, 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 and for he taught as one who had authority, it says. And I mean, it doesn't say this, but I mean it's inconceivable that the leader couldn't have known about this. It's almost impossible for him not to have heard about this teaching and the, and, the, and the casting out of the demon that was done that Sabbath day, back in chapter 1. Maybe he even saw it with his own eyes. Maybe he was one of the amazed ones. I don't know. Possible. Possible. But this leader does, does stand out from the crowd. He does stand out from the Jewish establishment. This is the first point. We know what the standard view of Jesus is. We know the party line from the Jewish establishment. He, he, he's, he, he's, a, he's something to avoid. But this man stands out with a different view of Jesus. And such is the standout nature of the man that he's named. There are a few other people in Mark's account of the general public that, that are ever named. We've, we've got Bartimaeus, he's named. We've got a man called Simon. And we've got Jairus. And he's named. Regardless of his position that Sabbath day a few weeks ago, uh, now, of course, he's in a different place. Because his life has taken a, a turn for the worse, hasn't it? His little daughter is sick. And it's really bad. It's really bad. There's something about sickness, isn't there, that, that really levels the playing field in terms of rich versus poor. When there's nothing anyone can do for someone who's seen all the doctors and and money can't buy any more doctors because there aren't any. And and to be given the worst of diagnosis, it doesn't matter whether you're a man or woman of means or not. This is Michael Bublé, a Canadian singer who often hibernates until Christmas. But uh, he was was playing at a concert in Dublin yesterday uh, in Crook Park, I think. He famously cancelled... his November 2016 tour as his then three-year-old son Noah was diagnosed with cancer. He and his wife cleared their diary uh, to concentrate on caring for their son, to concentrate on getting him the best treatment. He was supposed to appear on the Brit Awards that year. He was supposed to be um, touring the world, but it didn't happen. Michael Bublé, of course, is a man of means. He travels around in private jets. He's famous the world over. Yet when sickness comes to his son, he has to drop everything as crisis sets in. You see, it it levels, doesn't it? It levels the playing field. Jairus' life has just fallen apart. His daughter is 12 years old and and she has a father in a well-respected position in the community. He's a man of wealth and means. She's She's also therefore a person of privilege. But it doesn't shield her, does it? From the effects of living in this place, this broken world. And she's dying. It's very sad, isn't it? Think about someone who's 12 and imagine 
the situation like this. And there's nothing you can do. There's nothing their mum and dad can do. And so Jairus drops everything. And like any parent would, he, he does everything he can. Everything. And Jairus has heard about Jesus. Already. Clearly he's heard about him already. So he seeks him out. And he's coming off the boat and he's straight there. Face to face. Who knows what he's thinking. Maybe, maybe he was one of the amazed ones from, from that part in chapter 1 when he was there in the synagogue. Maybe it was just desperation acting. Maybe. But he goes and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. He, he worships, it says. And, and, and that's the language there. And, and, and he begs him to help in the full view of the crowds. He's long past the what everyone else thinks line. He's desperate. He's long past caring what's socially acceptable. He's long past caring what the scribes and the Pharisees are going to say. Next time they're in the synagogue. No, he's desperate. Verse 24 says in in plain and simple, no fuss terms, that, that he tells Jesus. And Jesus leads him the way to his house. Jesus lets him lead him the way to his house, sorry. But then of course there's the big interruption in the passage. And in contrast to Jairus, a woman appears who is penniless and and nameless. And she's penniless because of her health. We're told that. Her health concern is an abnormal discharge of blood. It may have something to do with her monthly cycle. We're not certain. And it's been flowing for 12 whole years. It's been hard for her for as long as Jairus' life as a father has been good. 12 years. Now, this is quite hard for us to relate to. We have the NHS, which we were making use of last night, which is a great service. Uh, The NHS celebrated its 70th birthday this week. And despite all the waiting lists, uh, and and it is by global terms a remarkable organisation. You ask some people that don't live in the UK, and there are some here today, they'll tell you. It's a remarkable organisation. We do not have medically induced poverty. In 2009, Barack Obama stated that one American went into medically induced bankruptcy every 30 seconds. Your health really is your wealth. Isn't that right? And as far as the law is concerned, the Jewish law, this this dear woman has been banished from daily life with this condition. Leviticus 15, very clear. She's not allowed to be out. She's not allowed to be touching anybody. She has to stay out of the community. She's unclean. Uh, The law says she's not allowed out. She's not allowed to go to the temple. She's not allowed to go to the synagogue. She isn't allowed to touch anybody. And yet she risks it. She's standing in the crowd. But she's also standing out from the crowd. Because of what's socially acceptable here. You know she's supposed to be. She's supposed to be at home. She's supposed to be shut away from society. But desperation kicks in. Doesn't it? She's tried everything else. She, she's spent everything on doctors and treatment, but she's been 12 years a slave to this horrible condition. Verse 27 tells us that she's heard about Jesus too in the past, but she doesn't come face to face. No, she approaches hidden in the crowd up from behind, doesn't she? She's not looking at him face to face. And she secretly from behind, she touches his cloak. Now this is the one we're supposed to be comparing Jairus with. Okay? 
We're supposed to be comparing this woman with Jairus. This is non-Jairus. Okay? This is a, a, you compare a, a named man at the centre of the community with means and a woman with no name, no money, not allowed in the community. A woman as out of money as he is out of time. That's who you're meant to compare him with. And both of them are now all out of options. And desperate, totally desperate. Because your health is your wealth. They both hit rock bottom. His daughter and this woman are at rock bottom. That's the first point, standing out from the crowd. Now secondly, displaying faith in Jesus is what we see. Because never mind comparing them, look at what they have in common. Look at what they have in common as the stories unfold. Verse 22, that Jairus sees, he falls, he implores. He says, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. You see, he's not in any doubt there, is he? He, doesn't, he knows he needs a touch. She needs a touch from Jesus. Just lay your hands on her and she will be made well and live. And look at the woman, the the actions of her, verse 27. She heard, she came and she touched. She believes that a touch is all that she needs too. Even his clothes will suffice. She says to herself, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. She's not in any doubt. A touch of Jesus' clothes can heal her. You say, that sounds a little mystical, doesn't it? That sounds a bit like a magic cloak. That sounds like less Christian and more Hans Christian Andersen. But um, that kind of idea was, was not uncommon in Jesus' day. It was said that Alexander the Great, do you remember him from Daniel? Uh, he was so respected that, that people would run and meet him and would touch his knees and his garments in the hope of being baptised by his aura and power. Okay? Or perhaps this woman knew the prophecy of the Messiah in Malachi 4 verse 2. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Now we come across that in Psalm 61, didn't we? In his wings. And that word for wings is like the corners of your garment. That's that same word. That's what that means. At the same time, as, you know, it's a word that means two things. So it's talking about the, the corners of his garment, healing in his wings. People are healed time and time again like this in Mark chapter 6, which we'll see soon. They touch Jesus' garment, his cloak, his clothes. Mark makes no judgment on this lady's orthodoxy or, or lack of it. But he does commend her on her faith. As a result of whatever it is that she's heard. She's got faith in Jesus. That's, that's for sure here. And she touches Jesus from, from, from the back of the crowd. And, and, and immediately the, 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 the flow of blood stops. And she's well. And she knows it. She knows she's well. And Jesus turns around. And the woman, she, her first reaction is fear. Isn't it? She's scared. Maybe she thinks she's going to be told off. Maybe she's just been outed. She's not meant to be out there. She's supposed to be at home alone. She's just made this man as ceremonially ceremonially unclean as as she was, according to the law. By touching him. But of course not so. Because this is no ordinary man, even though he is a real man. This is is Jesus. He doesn't get unclean. 
from touching someone who is unclean. You know, it goes the other way. And even if she has a, has a sort of you know, touch and heal, this is who Jesus is, and on we go home, understanding of Jesus. No, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't leave her like that. He doesn't let her sort of wander off home and think, yeah, Jesus is all about just touch him, he heals you, off you go. No, no, he turns around and he speaks to her. And he makes a fuss of her. And he singles her out. And he brings her back into the community, doesn't he? He gives her an opportunity to, to bow before him. And to meet him face to face. And, he, and to be honest with him. To tell the truth. Jesus shows great insight into her faith in what he says. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. You see, faith like this doesn't just heal you for you'll get sick again at some point in, your, in, in this world. Faith like this actually brings you in to the family of God. That's why he calls her daughter. Welcome home, daughter. You're coming into the family. And that word healed is often translated saved. That's the same word. It, it, it speaks of, of holistic, kind of all of you salvation, body, soul, spirit, that, that kind of idea. She's been healed in every sense of the word. Now I think about the other person waiting in the crowd. You remember him? Jairus. What's he doing? He's probably, well if it was me I'd be looking at my watch. If he had one, wondering, am I not, am I not next in the queue at A&E? Well, what's going on here? Why is, why, why, why is she getting... Why is she getting time here? I mean, she's waited 12 years. She can wait another half an hour. Yeah? I'm, I'm, we're, we're well out of time. And then to cap it all off, the sum of all fears happens. Because someone comes along and tells them that the poor girl has sadly died. She sadly died. Jesus actually then indicates that the reason for the delay is actually vital. <laughs> that's, that's what happens here. You see, there's a lesson to learn from this desperate woman. And, and the person that needs to learn it is Jairus. That's what's going on here. The, 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 delay, the delay is actually for Jairus' good. That's what, what the Lord does with us, doesn't, isn't it? Delays for good reason. There's a lesson here for Jairus. That's why we have this story in the middle. Mark didn't just sort of, you know, cut and paste it in. No, Jesus put it here because this is what happened that day. You know, he met Jairus, the woman interrupts him, and, and then he goes off with Jairus again. It's in there, okay? It's an object lesson in faith for Jairus. Look how she believes Jairus. Look how she puts all her eggs in the basket of Jesus, Jairus. Do not fear Jairus, only believe like her. Like her. Every human reason to be afraid, Jairus, but the antidote is faith. Desperate situation, trust me, trust me. And we learn about faith here, don't we? Clearly faith is something that trusts in the midst of hopelessness. I wonder, are you in a difficult situation? I wonder, are you closer to a crisis, even? I wonder, is desperation setting in? Jesus says, I can, you can trust me in it. You can trust me. Remember, there are no guarantees here. 
If there was a guarantee of sick people being made well, it wouldn't require faith, would it? That would make the rule of faith irrelevant. No, because person after person in the Bible and, and ever since has, has, has not been healed. If you think about it. You know, they, they haven't, it's, not, it's not guaranteed. Not everyone gets healed. And also it's not that if you have enough faith, all will be made well. That would make Jesus' rule irrelevant. It's, it's, it's just about drumming up enough faith. You know, if, it was, if it was just about, you know, if we could get to that level, you know, there's the faith level. We've got to get up there. And, and as soon as we get there, we're, we're, we're well. No, that's faith in faith. That's not it. That's demoralizing, isn't it? That's the sort of teaching that confuses and demoralizes dear people who are desperate the world over. That's the very opposite of what Jesus does to the desperate. No, it's not faith in faith. It's faith in Jesus. Isn't that right? Faith in Jesus when there are no guarantees. In both of these stories, there's previous knowledge that leads both of these people to Jesus. In both stories, Jesus called the woman daughter. In both these stories, there's there's healing by touch. Twelve years is significant in both. Jesus meets uh, rebuke in both. He, He takes on the ceremonially unclean in both. But what's the standout factor? What's the, what's the lowest common denominator in this? These two miracles. Desperation that results in faith. Isn't it? Faith in Jesus. Despite what's going on. The third point is being amazed in the presence. Being amaz- demonstrating amazing power. Imagine the scene at Jairus' house. As Jesus and him arrive. Professional mourners have already been there. They're playing dirges and weeping out loud. That's what happened in those days. You pay people to come and mourn. And Jesus' response is, is quite shocking. Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Sometimes um, sceptical people, if they have looked into these things um, in any shape or form, recognize that Jesus of Nazareth was a real figure in history. There's no historian of any belief system that's that actually worth their salt that, 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 that doesn't recognize that. Because they have to. There's so much evidence. Too much good evidence. But for most of these people who, who don't... They draw the line there. Uh, he, he's just a good man. That's, that's what they say. He, he's, he's a real man, but he's just a good man. That, that's as far as we go. We're not giving him any more, uh, any more than that. He, he's certainly not God. He's certainly... Okay. But what on earth is going on here then? Because he's just said something that is so unforgivably insensitive it beggars belief, hasn't he? People mean well sometimes when they say things it wakes. People want to say something and they don't know what to say. And they don't. He's in a better place. People say things like that. That might be true. That might bring comfort to some people. But if he's been really missed and it's been really tragic, they might, that might not be comfort, comforting. Can you imagine walking into a wake and saying, she's not dead, she's just asleep? What an incredibly insensitive, cruel thing to say. Yeah. This is not a good man at all. You can put away your good man sentiments if he's doing that sort of thing. Unless, unless of course he backs it up with action. Unless he has the, has the funds to cash the cheque. That he's just written in front of all of them. 
And they laugh at him. Because they know she's dead. They're not stupid. And he locks out the crowd and he locks out the onlookers and the mourners. John Mark, of course, is not an eyewitness to this. But his source, who we looked at before, is Peter. He's in the room. Peter's in the room. Peter, James and John. Mrs. Jairus, Mr. Jairus and the dead girl and Jesus. That's who's in the room. And Peter is there as Jesus takes her by the hand, this little girl. And he says the most ordinary phrases in Aramaic. There's nothing special about this phrase. Talitha kumi is the language of the day. And it's, and it's incredible this. I mean, set aside the well-wordness of this in your Bible. Okay? Set aside the fact you, you, you've, you've heard this before, as most of you have. And play it for real in your mind. This girl has died. Okay? Mom and dad are in pieces. Jesus walks in. And in full view of the six of them, he takes her by the hand and he raises her to life. That's some going, isn't it? We have just left Kansas. What's going on here? You know, that's, that's some going. Whether or not Jairus was amazed that day in the synagogue, he certainly is now. They're all amazed. Jesus calls it sleep because the point is it's just as easy for him to raise someone from the dead as it is for you to raise your sleeping daughter, son, friend, whatever. Imagine you just picked up your Bible and start to read it for the first time in Mark. I, I try to encourage people to do that who, who, are, who are seeking these things, who are wondering about who this is and about God and the Bible and Jesus. I say, you know, why don't you read Mark's Gospel? And you know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping they get to chapter 5 and they haven't stopped yet. And they, and they start to read that in verse 42 and immediately they were overcome with amazement. I'm hoping that happens to them. And they think, who is this? Who is this? <laughs> because there's serious power on display here, isn't there? Serious. Who can do such a thing? Who can turn death to life? Who can give life to the dead? He's supposed to be ceremonially unclean by touching this body, but not Jesus. No, the power is such that it goes the other way and he actually gives life. He gives life. And then we see his care for the little girl. No one else remembers that she hasn't eaten for a while, but he does. Give her some food. They're probably preoccupied for about the next month thinking about it. Who is this Jesus? He's someone who goes to the lowest. He's someone who goes to the penniless, who no one will go near. He's someone who responds to the desperate rich and socially central who call on him. And he walks into the room of death and picks up a dead girl's hand and gives her life. It's not that he prefers the poor. No. That's not the way it is. He doesn't prefer the poor. It's just easier for the poor to see their desperate need. That's the point. Sometimes sickness does it to the rich. And it levels it. But it's much easier when you see your desperate need. Because that's the realm in which Jesus works. Can you see who he is this morning? He's God. He, he's got the power. He, he's the son of God. That's, that's God's power that, he, that he's displaying here. When he, when he comes to that woman uh, earlier on and he says, who touched my cloak? And the disciples are like, what, what do you mean, who touched my cloak? It's like you're in the London Underground, you know, and it's rush hour and you're saying, who, who touched me? Now how many times 
Have you been touched? It's packed. Jesus knows that power has gone out of him, it says, because he's got power. Incredible power, the power of God. That's what he's got. And that's why she bows to him in humble submission and worship. That's why she's honest before him. That's a great picture, isn't it, of what it means to trust in the Lord Jesus. That's what each of us should do. Recognise our sorry state. Recognise that we've tried and tried and tried and there's nothing else can help us. There's an honest openness to God who who sees the heart. And, And there's a worship that says, let God be God. And she turns to him in faith. In wholehearted trust in Christ alone. And he heals her permanently for all of eternity. And I mean permanently in the sense of what really needs healing. Jairus needs the woman's interruption, you know. He he needs to see it. He needs to see faith in action despite the desperate circumstances. For his circumstances are about to get incredibly desperate. He might have come to Jesus out of sheer desperation, but he must believe. He must believe. He must trust in Jesus. He must throw aside any any remaining reliance on on, on anything else. Social importance, position in the town. No use to you. No, the Son of God comes for all people. But they must realise their desperate state and exercise faith and trust in Jesus alone. Here Jesus demonstrates his power. With the third and fourth miracle, which are there to prompt the audience to ask the question, Who is he? And they prompt us to ask the question, Who is he? Faith in Jesus connects you to the power of Jesus. It's like the, it's like the connections of, a, of an old switchboard, you know? You've got to have faith in Jesus to be connected to the power of Jesus, for him to work. Faith lets him work. Saving faith comes by believing in him. Even as these fixes are later reversed again. Because that that little girl eventually died. Again. Perhaps she was older. Much older. This this lady who who was unwell for 12 years eventually got sick again. Isn't that right? But the healing that comes for all of eternity... This is what Jesus really offers. And we can see how faith in, in what our desperate circumstances shows us something of that, can't we? In which the channel through which God works in people is trusting and having faith in what he can do. And with that we'll bow together in a word of prayer.